Hey Ohio State fans, welcome back to Outside the Shoe, where we talk about all of the sports that are happening outside of the horseshoe at Ohio State. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Meredith Hine and the site at LandGrant33. When you think of schools that are good at tennis and sports that schools in the Midwest are good at, you wouldn't expect there to be much overlap in the ensuing Venn diagram. However, for some reason, Ohio State has carved out a niche for itself as a Big Ten haven for tennis for both the men's and women's squads. Which obviously begs the question, why is Ohio State of all schools good at tennis? Let's set a baseline here. The Buckeyes, when it comes to tennis, really first came on the scene when Ty Tucker, who is currently head coach of the men's team and overall director of tennis at Ohio State, came to Columbus in 1999. Since then, Tucker has led the Buckeyes to 14 regular season first place finishes in the Big Ten, 13 conference tournament victories, and 20 NCAA tournament appearances. Overall, Tucker has amassed a 601-90 record, including a 197-12 and mark in Big Ten play. Yes, in 22 seasons, Tucker has only dropped 12 conference matchups. Prior to Tucker joining the staff, however, the outlook wasn't so rosy. Ohio State was struggling through a decade of decline for both the men's and women's programs. The 90s were a tough time, with the men finishing no higher than 4th in the Big Ten and the women 6th. Keep in mind that there were only 11 teams in the Big Ten then, so even that stratification is worse than it sounds. But with Tucker on the men's side and Chuck Mersbacher on the women's, everything changed. Tucker's first full season came in 2000, while Mersbacher joined the program in 1997. Let's start with the women's program. In 2000, the women's squad won its first conference title since 1979. While the program continued to oscillate, those waves aired more toward finishes at the top of the Big Ten than the bottom. Melissa Schaub took over the took over the helm of the women's program in 2013, and after a rough first season, right at the ship, winning two Big Ten regular season and tournament titles, and making the NCAA tournament every year since 2014. The men, meanwhile, experienced a meteoric rise to the top, at least in the conference. In 2000, Tucker's first year, the men's squad finished fourth in the Big Ten standing. From 2001 to 2005, they finished second, and from 2006 onward, the Buckeyes won the Big Ten regular season every single year. Yep, that's a streak of 14 straight conference titles that was cut short only because of COVID. To level set, we must consider the fact parity is almost non-existent in college tennis. Only 16 schools have won a Division I men's title, and if that group seems exclusive, consider the fact that just nine different programs have earned a women's title. As good as we consider Ohio State to be at tennis, even the Buckeyes are off of both lists. In fact, only two Big Ten programs, Illinois and Michigan, have ever won an NCAA title in tennis. Over time, the sport has been dominated by USC, Stanford, and UCLA for the men, and Stanford alone for the women. So now that we have a bit of a, a bit of history, let's dig into a couple points that make collegiate tennis unique. First, we have to acknowledge the fact that tennis is a tough sport to gauge at the collegiate level overall, since the very best players in the world will likely never compete in an NCAA competition. Additionally, often, the top players in the sport, at least those at the very top, start, start early on the professional circuit and hold their positions for a long time. Maria Sharapova, who came on the scene at the age of 17 with a win at Wimbledon over Serena Williams, just retired from the sport at the age of 32. Williams, meanwhile, began playing professionally at 16 and is still going strong at age 38. As I alluded to, what makes tennis weird is that no collegiate program will ever have the best talent in tennis between the ages of 18 and 22. One point to consider is the international piece. Tennis is a global sport with top competitors coming from all over the world. What that means for recruiting is that there's a much wider pool to draw from, but that the top players will likely opt for the pro circuit. 
Most Division I tennis players are in fact international students, which makes sense given scholarships available for intercollegiate athletes in the U.S. compared with other countries, and the fact, as I previously mentioned, that tennis talent isn't concentrated in the United States. Schools like Ohio State do a good job of recruiting overseas. In fact, this last season, uh, all Shiori, excuse me, Shiori Fukuda from Japan was an ITA All-American. Um, in fact, five of nine players on the women's roster and three of ten on the men's are international students. Even players who initially opt for college, however, don't always stick around, just like we see with football every year. The best collegiate players who have continued to hone their craft will still be trying to make it on the pro circuit. And when they do, they often say goodbye to their NCAA eligibility, like we saw with J.J. Wolf, a three-time first-team All-Big Ten honoree and 2019 All-American who opted to turn pro after his junior season. But back to the current state of Ohio State. How have the Buckeyes managed to carve a niche for themselves as the haven for Midwestern tennis? The answers would seem to center on themes which are familiar from the football program. Outstanding recruiting creates a reinforcing cycle. Ohio State wooed the 2019 recruiting class with an appearance in the NCAA Finals and a runner-up finish in 2018, leading to the number two recruiting class in the nation. That group was led by Cannon Kingsley, who came to Columbus as the 16th ranked singles player in the nation and who impressed in his freshman season before it was cut short. That level of recruiting leads to another theme that's familiar from football. Don't rebuild, reload. The loss of three of the nation's top players last season, J.J. Wolf, Martin Joyce, and Hunter Tubert, left a gaping hole that dropped Ohio State to its lowest ranking in years. That ranking, by the way, was number six. But with players like Kingsley coming aboard, the Buckeyes continued to perform at a high level this past season, rising all the way to the second ranking in the NCAA. For recruiting, while not specific to tennis, it also doesn't hurt that Ohio State has invested heavily in facilities for non-revenue sports, as we saw with the opening of the Cavelli Center last year. The fact tennis was cut short this season is a serious bummer, especially since both the men and women's programs finished with top five rankings and, both of them, had the talent to get over the proverbial hump to bring home their first NCAA titles. There was a lot of tennis left to play and things certainly could have changed, but both squads were performing at an extraordinary level by the end of February. However, if the story of the last two decades is any indication, both squads will be back and better next season. Anyway, that's what we've got for you on the show today. For the time being, stay inside, wash your hands, and let's ride this out together. We'll see you next week. And as always, even now, go Bucks.